0: This week's episode is about Mercedes Lyson, a sociologist by training who is currently working on her online beauty blogging business, La et la Musique. Welcome to We Built This Life, the podcast that tells the stories of entrepreneurs, freelancers, and others who built their working lives from that first inkling of an idea into sustainable, profitable careers. I'm your host Jennifer Walker. I'm a freelance writer and I absolutely love to hear career stories. On this podcast I'm going to share stories about people who figured out what they wanted to do with their lives and talk about their path to their current work and the risks they took to build their careers from the ground up. Thank you so much for listening today. Welcome to We Built This Life. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is episode three, and this is a story about Mercedes Lyson, a PhD-trained sociologist who has an online beauty blogging business called L'Amour et la Musique, which she manages while being home full-time with her young son, who has, of August 2019, is around 10 months old or so so l'amour et la musique encompasses a youtube channel a patreon page and we'll talk about both of those things but before we get into her story i just wanted to touch a little bit on how i found mercedes i've been a viewer of her youtube content for a while now and on that channel she primarily publishes product reviews mainly in the green eco beauty space I have a real interest in green beauty, especially skincare. I think it's fun. And whenever I'm thinking about buying a product and I want someone else's opinion on it, because green and eco beauty, if you're familiar at all, it can be pretty expensive. So it's nice to do some research first about other people's experiences using certain products. I go to Mercedes channel first for that research. She's really honest and open in her product reviews. She's really very straightforward when things don't work out for her. I trust her reviews immensely. She is definitely my go-to. This episode is going to trace Mercedes' career path from her early influences, which were her parents, to her getting her PhD and some of the work that she has done in the research field, to her building l'amour et la musique, and even to her work as a DJ, because that ties in a little bit to l'amour. We'll also talk a bit about influencing versus journalism. Those are two of the avenues that someone who has an online business like blogging could pursue, and she discusses the thought process she has gone through in trying to figure out which avenue would be the best for her. Before we get into this episode, though, I just wanted to say that when I think about Mercedes' story as a whole, I think about this motivational quote, just start. Just start. It's just two words, but it's really powerful, right? It comes from this tendency that we have as humans to have ideas about what we want our lives to look like, what we want to do for work, what we want to do as a hobby. But so often those ideas remain just that. They're ideas without action. And that's understandable because it's hard to get started. It's scary to begin something new and it's even harder to put yourself out there for others to see while you begin that new thing. You have to be willing to look like a beginner and to make mistakes and to learn from them. And from my point of view, having talked to Mercedes, it seems like she is okay with doing that. When she wanted to make beauty videos, she propped up her iPhone on the box and she just got started. When she wanted to learn how to mix music, she went out, she bought the equipment, and she taught herself how to beat match. She has not been afraid to pursue her interests. And if anything, I hope that piece of her story makes you think, even if it's just a little bit, about doing the same thing in your own life. That thing that has been nagging at you, that you've always wanted to do, or that you're curious about, just take that first step and get started, no matter how small it is. Just get started. Now, on to this week's story. Mercedes Lyson grew up in Ithaca, New York. Her parents, who taught at Cornell, were a big influence on her, and they would inform the professional path she would choose
1: for the next several years. So I come from a family of academics. Both of my parents were college professors. My dad was a sociologist and my mom was an English professor. So it was sort of the family business, I guess, in a way. Sociology, I guess, growing up with all of the dinner table conversations with a sociologist as a father really made an impression on me. And we talked about all sorts of things. My dad was a sort of raging, progressive Marxist too. So there was a lot of politics and fight the man, but support local food systems and get to know your farmer. And it was really kind of everything. There were very lively discussions. And my sister and I grew up going to nature camps and touring dairy farms for some of my dad's research projects. You know, I remember as I got a little bit older into high school and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, he would let me come in and sit in some of his freshman seminars where he was mostly teaching like entry level stratification classes and things like that. But I think I was very taken with wanting to understand the world from a sociological lens. That was very appealing to me. I always tell people my sister also has a PhD in sociology and both of us substantively studied the same thing that my father did, which was the sociology of agriculture, food systems, communities. So we kind of have all done the same thing, which I think speaks to how strong the family influence was. Mercedes went to the University of Chicago
0: for her undergraduate work, where she double majored in sociology and Latin American studies, and then she took a few years off from school. She worked in policy, she did an AmeriCorps VISTA program, And then she got to this point where it was time to decide what she wanted to do next. Because of her interest in health and wellness, she had considered medical school, but her parents advised her to not accumulate as much student debt. And that's when she chose to pursue her master's and her PhD in sociology at Brown University. She began the master's program in 2007 and graduated with a PhD in 2013. But here's the thing. Mercedes never really wanted to be an academic. She wanted the education, but she didn't want to work in
1: academia. I always knew that I didn't want to be an academic myself, which is kind of the inherent tension that's always been a part of my life growing up as the product of an academic family and and knowing that I could pursue that, but never really honestly wanting to and entering into graduate school Wanting the education, but not necessarily wanting to be part of academia and all of that really sort of came to a head after graduate school because that's when, you know, you kind of actually have to figure out, you know, what you're going to do.
0: After graduation in 2013, Mercedes spent a year in an unfulfilling position with a higher education company. Then she started to build her research career. Since then, she has been a design research and project evaluator at Northeastern University and a survey researcher at Tufts Medical Center. That position at Northeastern in particular really made an impression on her.
1: I was in a computer science and health science kind of hybrid position. They they hired me obviously as a a qualitative expert. And my boss, who was a, she was a junior faculty member, I think she had only been out of graduate school a few years longer than I had, and we just had a really great dynamic. And she was a human-centered designer. So she was a computer scientist who would design technologies. But before she would design, you know, say, a mobile app or a standalone kiosk or something in a community center, she would do really, really extensive fieldwork, interviews, ethnography with the community that she was trying to develop a technology for. So we did a lot of work with mobile health, which was, uh, I worked on an Aetna Foundation funded grant that was funding community organizations to develop mobile apps to work on nutrition and physical activity interventions in low-income communities across the U.S. But part of that was understanding what the actual needs of these communities were specifically. I remember one of the projects was like a recipe app and they they were working with a particular population. So I think there was like a Hmong population in Camden, New Jersey or something, and they wanted to help try and impact the type two diabetes rates. So they had like a healthy cooking app that was culturally appropriate. It was that sort of thing. So that was kind of the project that I was on mainly. And it it made me want to pursue, it, it has so many names now, UX, user experience, design, design research, human centered design. And I sort of identified that as a way that I could use my qualitative research skills in a non-academic capacity. Companies are hiring for these sorts of positions all over the place right now. I sort of think of it as the more ethical version of market research or consumer insights work. So that's an introduction to
0: Mercedes' career in research thus far. And that last field she mentioned, whether it's called user design experience or human-centered design, it's a field she's considering working in when her son gets older. But while Mercedes was in the beginning stages of building this research career, when she was still at
1: Brown actually,
0: she began to build on one of her other interests, beauty.
1: I basically have always grown up with an interest in beauty and beauty products. I mean, I remember... Being you know eleven or twelve years old and going to buy chapsticks or press on nails or CoverGirl compacts like whatever the popular products of like the mid early and mid nineties were, I always think to myself that if I had not been born into a family of that I was pushed into academics so much, I really would have wanted to go to beauty school or something of that of that ilk and you know, maybe try and have a, a go of it at being a makeup artist or an aesthetician or something like that.
0: Mercedes didn't go that route with her career, but she decided to focus on beauty and content form. And that's when she began developing La Mori La Musique. Her business's name stems from this one day when she was completing her Facebook profile. And under the religious views section, she wrote down love and beats. Beats like music, not like the vegetable. Later, she developed a deep f- interest in France, and she decided to use love and beats as the name of her business, but in the French language. L'amour et la musique was the closest translation. L'amour et la musique mainly covers beauty, and Mercedes has written online that beauty encompasses many facets for her. First, there's skincare makeup, these tangible expressions of beauty that we're all very familiar with, and these are the topics that Mercedes mainly covers on her YouTube channel
1: sort of stumbled on this world of beauty blogging and people that were making videos on YouTube, the landscape was completely different in 2011, 2012, when I started falling down that rabbit hole. So I had almost in in a sense, been a participant observer of the beauty blogging world for a while. And then around 2013, 2014, I was really unsure about what I wanted to do professionally, but I decided that I wanted to start making beauty YouTube videos and really do it in a very sort of bootstrap way. I wanted to teach myself how to film and edit. And what I really wanted to do was do what kind of mainstream conventional beauty bloggers were doing, but from a more eco-organic holistic perspective. And there really weren't many people that were doing that niche of beauty blogging at the time. So my very first video was a Uh, what's in my makeup bag video. I thought it would just be easy, straightforward. I knew that I could just riff on the products that I used every day. And I sat down with my, I think it was like an iPhone 4. It was an, an old generation iPhone. I didn't even have a tripod. I just put it on its side, propped it up against a box and filmed (laughs) and that that was like kind of it to be honest it's funny i've never really instilled to this day i don't really overthink making videos i've always just kind of sat down and and talked mercedes
0: has continued making youtube videos since then usually one per week her research background definitely comes out in these videos which in my opinion take a deeper dive into the green beauty or just beauty in general space As an example, she did a recent video where she was reviewing a green beauty box that contained a phyto-retinol product, which is a plant-based retinol. Retinol helps with cell turnover, and it is a trendy product right now. It's marketed as an ingredient that we are supposed to use as we age. And there are synthetic retinols and plant-based retinols, And in this video, as I mentioned, Mercedes was reviewing a plant-based retinol product. She talked about the facets of the product that you would normally expect to see in a review, the texture, the feel, her experience with using it, even the packaging and the presentation. But then she went deeper into her skincare philosophy and her feelings about retinol, and she talked to a few other people in the industry to form those thoughts. So in addition to a product review, she's talking to people, she's doing research, she's thinking about what she is learning along the way and that thoughtfulness comes out in her videos it makes for a more substantial meatier look at skincare and beauty and the industry in general so through the years mercedes has also made some important connections and partnerships and she did this while working full-time For example, she has been a brand ambassador for Beauty Heroes for a few years, and Beauty Heroes is a monthly subscription box containing eco skincare products, usually one hero product and one sidekick, and Mercedes receives these boxes every month. She's one of several ambassadors who do, and then she posts a review on her YouTube channel, and she can say whatever she wants in that review. This was a relationship that for her developed
1: very organically. I have never been a hustler. And I think that there's some people that really excel at going after opportunities and knocking on doors and making things happen. And for me, I when I try and do that for some reason it doesn't really work. Or it doesn't really click and I'm not I'm not sure why, but I've always had the most success I guess just sort of being open to opportunities that come my way. And so for example, that's how the Beauty Heroes partnership, which is probably to date my most I guess you could say most lucrative, but also most enjoyable uh, brand ambassadorship or partnership that's developed. And that came about because one of my loyal viewers sent an email to the founder of Beauty Heroes, which at the time was called Spa Heroes when they first started and was like, I really think you need to work with this person. So a lot of my opportunities have kind of just been through word of mouth like that. And yeah, very organic. So L'amour
0: et la musique has grown, right? She's developed partnerships, she's grown a following, and this endeavor that started as a hobby or an outlet for creative expression, it's grown into something more. Now, La Mori La Musique is a business. With this in mind, Mercedes has been thinking about where she wants that business to fit in to the online space. Is she an influencer? Is she a journalist? What
1: is her role? There's been just big shifts in the blogging world and... I put it in air quotes all the time, influencing has really taken over. And this is essentially bloggers that have some sort of following and credibility being often directly compensated to promote particular products and influence consumers buying decisions, except that it's really, really murky water because a lot of times that compensation isn't fully disclosed. I feel like consumers are really Bombarded with really subtle—I uh, wouldn't really say nefarious, but very like subtle forms of of just marketing. That's sort of what I what I consider it to be. So I just know this kind of anecdotally or word of mouth. You know, some influencer sponsored content work—they're contractually obligated to only say certain things about a product. You you literally are not allowed to say anything, even even potentially negative about a product, which just is. I mean, it's it's a commercial this is not even blogging, you know? And it's it's tough. I mean, sometimes there's beauty heroes boxes that I have issues with or that I have issues with the brand or the products themselves. And I always try and be well-rounded, but also diplomatic about it. I think that viewers and consumers really are owed that. I guess this is like circling back to my dad. He was a huge Ralph Nader consumer rights advocate. So I think that that has also carried through to me too. I mean, consumers are not you know, just there to be duped, which is what most companies, they just want to sell product for the most part. Companies aren't inherently ethical or care about those sorts of things. So as I saw a lot of my peers and colleagues in the space, starting to do more sponsored content and not to knock it at all, because it an extremely, if you're good at it, it can be extremely lucrative and i think some people like everybody's different for me i feel like it really hampers my creativity to have to at all be beholden to someone i did a few sponsored projects i've tried it here and there and it it never felt right i never liked doing it i really consider myself like the the black sheep of the blogging and influencing world cuz i just don't really want to play by the rules that, that people do i don't i don't want to have a post where people have to tag a friend to enter i don't i don't want that that kind of thing.
0: Wanting to get some insight as to what direction she should go in, Mercedes talked to a creative consultant who has been in the beauty industry for decades. And this consultant said something that Mercedes has been mauling over.
1: She was like, you know, if you want to be ethical in the beauty industry, truthfully, you're really going to struggle to make a lot of money doing it. Basically, it was her point. There's not a lot of room for ethics. And I think she's right. It's sort of a harsh reality and and I think for me my word like what I am saying about products I wouldn't want to even remotely hoodwink people that's not why I'm doing this so she kind of helped me identify where in The beauty space I would want to be. And I think it really is as sort of a beauty editor, beauty journalist where I can just maintain my own voice. But I still wanted a way to make L'Amour, I guess, worth my time because people, I think, don't really understand how labor-intensive it is, and when people value what you have to say and want to watch your content, then you do sort of feel like, well, it would be nice to at least have some money to reinvest back into the business for equipment or for you know hiring a graphic designer or what have you. So enter Patreon, which I think has been really, really truly the right outlet and direction for me to go in. Patreon is a membership platform for creatives.
0: People who view content will pay content creators like Mercedes a certain amount of money a month, kind of like a subscription fee, to support their work, and they'll get perks for that fee, such as additional content. Mercedes started her lamori la musique Patreon page, which is different from her YouTube channel about two years ago. Depending on the subscription tier, people who support her will be able to watch an additional video a month or a Get Ready With Me livestream, where she will show how she applies products and chat with her viewers in real time, as well as some other perks. As of August 2019, Mercedes has 119 people supporting her on Patreon.
1: It's essentially a crowdfunding site to support independent creative content that you enjoy. It's people giving donations and oftentimes they get bonus content for doing so. And I really wanted to start this because I saw it as a way to keep L'Amour-sponsored content free while continuing to grow the business. Not only has it been really great to have the the financial support to keep reinvesting back into a Lamar. It's actually ended up being a really, really enjoyable and beneficial space for me to keep making content. So what I mean by that is social media and I think some of the experiences that I've had through making Lamora and make, putting myself out there publicly and opening yourself up to the good and the bad. I've just become really, really quite private, especially since having a baby. I don't talk about my son. I never really show his face on any of my YouTube or Instagram content. I don't, I don't think I've ever even said his name. So I keep it really under the radar. But the space where I do get to kind of let it all hang out is on Patreon. I can be much more unedited over there and talk more about You know, personal things that are going on in my life. So every month I do a patron exclusive video where I put up a poll of usually three or four different video options and people vote on what video they want. And then I end up making whatever the most popular one is. People are very interested in kind of the more personal chats. Like recently I did a video on what it's like to be in a cross-cultural relationship. My husband is Iranian. His parents were born in Iran and he's first generation Iranian. So I did a whole video talking about what that's like and, you know, raising a kid with someone uh, who's from a very, very different cultural background than than myself. I would never do that video on YouTube now just because, I don't know, people. the way people communicate on social media has just taken a, a really dark turn for the most part.
0: So that is the first part, the beauty part of L'Amour et La Musique. There's the YouTube channel, which is free, and Mercedes puts out great content over there. And there's the Patreon page, the subscription-type service that offers different perks depending on the tier. I also wanted to touch on the second part of L'Amour, since it has been such a big influence in Mercedes' life, and that's music. Like academics, that music influence came from her family when she was young. And through the years, that interest evolved until Mercedes started finding gigs as a DJ and her work as a DJ turned into a nice side hustle for her while she was
1: in graduate school and even afterward. My sister and I started taking piano lessons at age seven or eight, and I ended up taking classical piano lessons for 15 years or so. And it was a huge, huge part of my life. And I I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that I didn't quit and I kind of persevered. So that was kind of my foundation, I guess I would say. And then I was always in just into music, which I know I sound sort of bass or whatever, but I, you know, I just remember even as young as third, fourth grade, eight or nine years old, just loving people like Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. And then in high school, I was very into soul and neo soul. And then in college, I got really into down tempo and lounge music. And I just felt like increasingly my world, my music world was just getting bigger and bigger. And then I found house music as kind of an an outgrowth of all of that. And when I talk about my foray into house, a lot of people come to house music through rave culture or club culture. And I honestly had no idea that that even existed. I grew up pretty sheltered and I had never, I was like not... A partier. I wasn't even like really going to parties in high school, you know, the way like all the cool kids do. That wasn't really me. So I found house music just again, like very organically. And I loved house music because it incorporated a lot of elements of music that I had loved before, like really beautiful female vocals and just these like really lush, deep sounds. So I was, I got into deep house specifically. There's a million genres of house music. And if you get into house music and club or rave culture at all, house music is meant to be layered. The way that you mix in and out of music is by layering the two tracks together. This is just like sort of, I guess, house music DJing 101, which is different than genres like hip hop where they do things like quick cuts. And it's a very different style of DJing. So once I fell in love with house music, I became obsessed with the way music sounded layered together. And I was like, I totally just want to learn how to do that. And I want to create those sounds. And I was so drawn to it because it's almost like a form of live performance art. That's the way I think of DJing because every like no two times you mix a track together is it the same. It's like a very in-the-moment organic process. And it was so appealing to me. And this was you know, way before I even got into beauty blogging. I would say like around 2004, 2005 was when I started getting into house music. And I ended up just buying a set of turntables and a mixer and some speakers. And I started poking around a record shop. And I just started teaching myself how to beat match, which is... Not easy to do. (laughs) I think with my background in piano, where you're practicing to a metronome all the time, you so house music is on a four-four beat, so you're like counting like beats of one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four to get the two tracks to layer. But you're basically adjusting each of the tracks by ear. You're adjusting the tempo of the record so that it'll blend with the other track. So I was just so I, I can't even tell you. Even to this day, it just like speaks to my soul.
0: Mercedes began DJing house parties while she was an undergraduate student living in Chicago. She says that the one thing that she would want people to know about DJing is
1: that it is not as easy as it looks. You end up playing in like so many different environments where the sound, like you have horrible feedback or you can't hear yourself. It's like a singer that can't hear themselves singing. If you can't hear yourself mixing, it sounds like it's called a train wreck, like your sounds just you're your tracks don't match and it sounds completely horrible and everyone knows you're messing up. A lot of places aren't even equipped. They don't even have professional sound equipment. So you're having to lug your own speakers. It so widely varies. The equipment that you play on, the way the sound system is, the acoustics of the space. It's really, really way more complicated than the drunk people showing up to dance at 1am think it is.
0: When she went to graduate school at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, Mercedes lugged all of that equipment with her. That equipment wasn't used for a while because she was busy, of course. She's a grad student. She's studying. But around 2010 or 2011, Mercedes got together with some friends. There were two other PhD students from Brown who were in another department and another friend who was a lighting designer. And together, they formed an all-women DJ collective.
1: I was so thankful to have this because, as I have sort of told you, I never wanted to be an academic, even though I went to graduate school. And there were there were parts of that environment that I was really inspired by and kind of found my groove in. But I was so glad to be tethered to a reality outside of academia. Providence, it's a very artistic Town because the Rhode Island School of Design is there, so there's just a lot of different performance spaces and little art galleries and artist lofts and things like that. So I had really gotten tied into this community of people, and there was a new bar opening up downtown Providence, and uh, they were going to have a dance floor in the basement with live DJs, and then the bar was upstairs. Well, there were two bars: one upstairs and downstairs, and they were also going to have a DJ kind of doing more not as kind of like club music on the upstairs portion. And we knew the guy that that bar had hired to book DJs for. So he was like, Hey, you girls are just starting this DJ collective. Do you want to play The place is called the salon. It's still there. He said, do you want to have a Saturday night monthly gig at the salon? And we were like, uh, yeah, we do. We were super nervous, but you know, this place was just starting out. No one, I guess kind of knew what it was going to be. So that was our first gig. We, Got like so many of our friends from Brown came out and our like downtown friends and it was so much fun. So in the very beginning, all four of us were playing and we would just take half hour slots. Someone would play for half an hour, then the next person would come on and play for half an hour and we did like the whole night like that. It was just super fun that's when DJing kind of really took off for me as, another, I guess, kind of another side business. I was doing gigs really regularly, my last part of graduate school. So super rewarding. And I was doing it up until I moved out of Boston last last spring. Mercedes now
0: lives in Chicago with her husband, Cave and her son. And she's not currently DJing, but she would eventually like to set up her turntables in her home and start mixing again just for herself. So When I look at Mercedes' story and at the different paths she has pursued in her life, she's a sociologist, a beauty YouTuber, a DJ... There are really fascinating contrasts there. Of course, everyone can have a lot of varied interests, but since I discovered Mercedes on YouTube, I just loved how she owned that sociology research part of herself and the beauty part of herself and the music part of herself, no matter how different all of those interests seem to be. That's not easy to do. A few months ago on Instagram though, Mercedes alluded a little bit to the challenge in balancing these very different interests. And that challenge can come in how people perceive Those choices. Probably several months ago now on Instagram, she posted some stories around her birthday. And there, if I remember correctly, there's an image of her desk with this present she had just opened from her husband. And it's a Blue Yeti microphone so she can start her La Mori La Musique podcast. That's something she's planning for the near future. And over top of the image, or maybe it was on the next slide, but she wrote about how nice it was to have someone in her life who supports her and her interests. And kind of the underlying idea there is that that hasn't always been the case in her life. So here's how she has come to terms with pursuing a path that others might not agree with. And for her, that has been La Mori La Musique.
1: My parents and my, my family really, it's not like they had active disdain for it, but they truthfully were never very supportive. And to this day, they, they aren't, which I know maybe sounds a little harsh, but I see Other people who are kind of in my same positions they sort of have a a passion project that's maybe turned into an online creative entrepreneurial business for them. And their parents or their siblings are kind of their number one fans. You know, I don't even think that my family watches my content, which is totally fine. But L'Amour really became something that I just was really doing for myself. I was talking about beauty products with friends so much all the time. And when I saw that there was actually an opportunity for me to, I guess, start putting something out there, I I really felt pulled to do it.
0: That last line there about paying attention to opportunities and the things you feel called to do and going after them for yourself is where I want to leave Mercedes' story today. Before we go, though, I just wanted to say that I'm so thankful to Mercedes for taking the time to talk with me for this episode. She gave me a full hour, I think while her baby was sleeping, and I'm just so appreciative of of her time please head over to the show notes where I will have all of the information about where you can find Mercedes on YouTube, on Patreon, on Instagram. I'm also going to put some links in to a few of her videos that I think would be a great place to start if you want to get a feel for the kind of content she's producing every week. We didn't get a chance to talk about this, but Mercedes is also finishing a two-year classical astrology apprenticeship program, and what she has learned in that program may be a part of L'Amour's offerings in the future. She's also going to start that podcast that I mentioned, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to We Built This Life today. I really appreciate that you spent some of your time today with me and Mercedes and this podcast. I will see you next time. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to We Build This Life. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes. That really helps other people find the show and in turn helps the show grow. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram under We Built This Life. And I do hope you'll stop by there and share a little bit about yourself. If you'd like to share your own story, I would love to hear it. Please email me at webuiltthislifepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening today and I'll see you soon.